This is Not Quite Dead, a gal pal horror movie discussion podcast. We do deep dives on our favorite scary movies, but sometimes we just keep it shallow. I'm your host, Megan. I'm Kate. Get ready for all the spoilers. I cannot bring myself to watch this for a sixth time. (laughs) I can't believe you put it down five times. It's so excessive. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. So I'm not sure if I told you what it was that, that happened. Um, but I, I watched this in the wrong order because the titles don't have numbers in them. And so I go, according to whatever order I see on TV, right? And this is the one that came up second. So I was like, okay, this is number two. And I watched it and I watched it and I watched it thinking it was number two. Oh my gosh. And now it turns out it's not number two at all. So my brain is just all over the place with this one. Yeah. I mean, you watched one of the maybe subpar Purge movies too many times. I think like... I think Anarchy is better than Election Year. I do too. I actually liked Anarchy. Yeah, Anarchy is a good movie. And Election Year, I think, has interesting parts to it, but it's way too long. I I thought so. I just really struggled with how long it was. There were so so many moments where I would check the clock while I was watching the movie, and I would go, okay, I have 57 minutes left. Okay, we have 42 minutes left. And I was like, this is not the sign of a good movie when I'm like constantly checking the clock to see when it's going to be over. 2016. We weren't even in this apartment yet. Okay, so this is like getting very recent. It is. It is. This one I had seen. I'd seen The Purge. And I, I think that after I saw The Purge, I just was like, wow, that was actually a lot better than I expected it to be. And so I think in pretty short order, like within a week or so, I had watched the second and third ones. Um, So that was obviously sometime after 2016 or around 2016. I was having that experience watching Purge Election Year that we all get where you know that you've seen a movie, but if someone asks you to recount the plot, you're like, I don't know what happened in that movie. But then as you're watching it, every time something happens, you're like, oh, that's right. And then this person dies. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So I was getting that a lot with this one where I was like, oh, that's right. Like I remembered the senator who's one of our protagonists in this movie. I remembered um, kind of the overall plot of what they were trying to get to and and the like ending I remembered. But there was a lot in the middle I did not remember. And it turns out it's because it was not really necessary to remember anything in the middle. Yeah. I am. I... Like I said, I've seen this so many times now and was just so unimpressed with it. Like, I mean, it was fine. It's not terrible, but I was just like, all right, all right. Um, So I watched this before Anarchy thinking this was the sequel and it totally screwed me up for Anarchy. Yeah, that would be a very confusing, <laughs> very confusing turn of events. Um, I want to give a, a quick plot summary yeah all right so 
Oh man, we've skipped over so much of the normal beginning stuff that we do, but I'll give a quick plot summary and then we can go back and talk about the things we normally talk about also. In Purge election year, this is based around really this senator. Her name is Charlie Roan and she is anti-NFFA, the new founding fathers of America. She's against the purge. She had to witness her entire family being brutally murdered in front of her. And oh, so yeah, she, that was awful. Yeah. Was so awful scene. Yeah. So she's running her entire campaign on basically ending the purge. Like she has no, yeah, she's got nothing else. She's going to end the purge. And of course the NFFA uh, want to take her out. And so on this very special election year, um, the new founding fathers of America decide to lift the ban on murdering certain government officials. So typically <laughs> in purge rules, there are there are a class of people and their government officials um, who are exempt from getting purged. They cannot get murdered, can't get robbed, they can't can't go through all the regular purge and stuff that everyone else does. Um, but they lift that this year with the express purpose of trying to take out Senator Roan. Yeah, and Roan is like this female sexy version of Bernie Sanders for for those of you who need some more context. She looks exactly like a blonde Carrie Ann Moss. Yep. Genuinely, I was like, oh, they must have just liked Carrie Ann Moss's face and couldn't get her. And so they got her blonde clone. Because she looks just like Carrie Ann Moss. It's not. No. (laughs) (laughs) I I did look it up and it's not her. But I was like, ooh, Carrie Ann Moss kind of slumming it in a horror movie, but no. Yeah. So also about this movie, there's a couple of little things I wanted to flag, which is, you know, Michael Bay is a producer in this movie. So, you know, it's got a little bit of Michael Bay flair to it. Kate, our our stranger has a name now. We've seen him in the first two movies. Um, but now what? what is his actual name? His name is Dante Bishop. He's now a credited character. Yeah, so we get to know this guy a bit better. Who knew that the homeless guy from the first episode was going to be the one that carries us through this whole series? Yeah, they develop his characterization a little bit more. They give us some more... Um, story and motivation he's right there kind of in the beginning of the movie so it's it's good to see that and I think that that's a credit to um director James DeMonico who is the director for the first three movies like we said this movie came out in 2016 and this one also had a pretty lean budget it was a it was a 10 million dollar movie yeah not very much um Saw had that budget What's the deal here? I know. And it looks <laughs> so much better than like every Saw movie. It's so it funny does. how like some some directors are just able to take the budget they're given and just really stretch it. I mean, I think that this one takes place around um, the Washington, D.C. area. And so there's a lot of use of city in this movie. There's not a lot of like set pieces, um, which is pretty standard for the Purge movies. Um, and it, it looks great. It paid off. It grossed 118 million. So there's a great return on Purge movies. <laughs> it's doing gangbusters at the block, the box office. So let's get this movie going. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so we start with an intro sequence that was 18 years ago. And this is, I thought, just an immediate horrible sinking feeling to realize that with with the knowledge that this is happening 18 years ago, it means that we've had at least 18 years of purges happening. That's a long time. That's that's somebody being born and maturing through this whole process, just thinking this is normal. And it's one political party being in power for almost two decades at this point too, which is not something that we really have in this country right now. So we see this terrible scene of a family being tortured while a masked man is sitting and watching them. He's got this playlist on with this really like kind of like funky upbeat music and he decides to make them play like mommy's choice torture like which child gets to live and which child gets to die. Yeah, it really reminded me of uh, Dark Knight Batman. Um, Just the way that these characters sounded through their masks. It sounded very, like, sinister, but also, like, this person was making a game out of their lives and just here for the ride. So I thought it was a really cool opening. I was like, yeah, this sucks. This, This mother on screen has to pick somebody to survive one person in her family and everyone else dies including herself unless she chooses herself yeah so I I thought the opening was really dark and really great it's really good it's really good for setting the tone it's really good for giving you so much backstory because as we learn the child in the situation um who survives is senator charlie roan who is our lead in this movie We get taken immediately to present day, which is two days before the next purge. And Roan, who witnessed her entire family being tortured and murdered on a purge night 18 years ago, is now running for president. And this is election year. Yeah. And I'm really surprised that this is the first time this is surfacing. 18 years is a long time to to like deal with something like this. How long did we deal with not having gay marriage in this country, right? I don't know. I mean, a long time, but we, you know, let's, let's, if we're talking about maybe California as a case study, right? Um, We had Prop 8 and it did not take long to realize, oh, hey, we voted the wrong way on this. We need to fix this. Um, I thought it was so crazy that it took 18 years for this to resurface in this universe. Yeah, it's a really bleak view on American politics. Like, I think that you have to believe that the propaganda is so strong and that this is a version of American history where the people who are in power are really, really, really effective at maintaining that power um, through... I mean, the sanctioned murder of probably most of the people who <laughs> who would oppose them, you know? So I, I think it's like kind of in line with the whole ethos of the thing. It makes sense, but still. Yeah. <laughs> it makes sense, but it never makes sense. I know. I think that the interesting thing is that this movie opens with, you know, it's two days before the next purge and we get this montage of news clips and there's protests everywhere. There's protests in the Capitol the bloody stranger in the purge one and two movies. He's here. He's got a name. 
we learn that he's taken over for Carmelo, who is the leader of the anti-NFFA resistance movement. And he is so upfront and present that he is being like interviewed and shown on, you know, like a CNN type news channel, which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah. And it's so funny because it's so obvious what these people are using Mm -hmm. purge to do right like this political party that wants to use the purge for their advantage it's so obvious that they're trying to use it and that they want to use this for some spring cleaning and to get rid of their foes um like are we really surprised by this happening I know it's so transparent and I I have to believe it's because they're so confident in their power that leads them to make decisions like oh we're just going to lift the restriction on killing government officials and that way we can legally murder Senator Roan and there's no way this is ever gonna blow back and hurt any of us (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like so (laughs) ridiculous. We in these opening scenes, (laughs) this isn't like a stellar movie. So I'm going to like skim over some of this. You should, but just, just, I would love to see how this day plays out the rest of the year. Like what the rest of this year look like in this universe? Just, are we voting for these people who obviously use it? for their own purposes. I don't know. It's it's just funny to think about. Like the, the rest of this year is never explored in this series. So yeah. I, I did think about that a lot um, this time just because it's an election year, right? And we all know how annoying election yeah. years are. And I think that the interesting thing about this movie is that we're dropped in two days before The Purge starts. So we get like a glimpse of it, but it is really that heightened anxiety time of like, purge prep happening we're introduced to characters who either work in or frequent a convenience store and they've got their differing opinions you know some of them are like we gotta elect this new senator in um to be president so that she can end the purge and some of them are like oh they're all the same like she's just as bad as the NFFA guys, you know? So we kind of see what the average man's kind of perspective on it is. We also get this fantastic little clip that I loved so much and was so glad that we get to talk about is um, Purge Safari. (laughs) Yes! 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 (laughs) I wrote that down. I wrote down Purge Safari. Yeah, so we get these... um, I'm pretty sure they're like German or Eastern European guys um, who have traveled to the U.S. for the explicit purpose of murder tourism. And I just love it. (laughs) I love it. I love that um, James DeMonico just like he thinks through to the logical conclusion of like, yeah, if it's legal in the U.S. and no one's going to be extradited for like doing the purge you know then yeah people are going to travel from all over and participate in some wild purge activities I thought this part was so funny and I loved how they you know there there's some foreigners just coming to visit and enjoy some purging and lo and behold they get to take out this senator right this person running Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah it's so amazing and like so powerful 
for these people who are not even our citizens. I know. I know. It's very empowering. (laughs) It is. Um, There was some comment also about about this being like Halloween for adults, right? Yeah, they say that. And I was like, have they met adults? Because adults love Halloween. (laughs) How dare you? I love Halloween. This ruins Halloween. Halloween is not about murder. (laughs) I know. I know. But yeah, I do yeah. love I do love the uh, nod to Purge Safari that you're going to write, Kate. So I thought that was really nice of them to do for you. It was great. Gave me a little entrance. Yeah. We also see that one of our favorite characters from Purge Anarchy, Leo Barnes, is back. And he has cleaned himself up. And he is actually head of the security detail for Senator Roan. Yeah, he's he's all anti-purge now. He does not want to kill anybody. He is very reformed, and he is on the straight and narrow, and he is here to very obnoxiously and very annoyingly protect Senator Roan from anyone and yes. anything. <laughs> oh my gosh, we'll get into that. But yes, it was annoying. Yeah. Yeah, and then otherwise, in this kind of opening scenes, we get introduced to the folks around the convenience store. Yeah, and and we do get to meet some unsavory characters who interface with our convenience store owner, played by, you know, the same guy who did Bubba and Forrest Gump. I didn't write down his name. I was just like, oh, hey, that's Bubba. Um, He's running this convenience store, and these two little brats come in and try to steal his shit. Um, and they do come back like right before purge night, like right, sorry, like on the edge of the night, right? Like they are an obvious threat to him. They've tried to steal from him earlier in the episode. He stops them along with a friend and you know, they're going to be back to get their fucking candy bar. Cause that's what purge is all about. (laughs) You know, what's so crazy to me is thinking about how your actions and behaviors as a human being would change knowing that the purge existed yeah because joe and his friend laney yeah they confront these girls hours before the purge starts you know these girls are trying to shoplift from his convenience store and and these two are being tough with them and make them give it back. And these girls are total punks. They're total punk girls. They seem pretty ominous as they're leaving. And I just couldn't stop thinking about the fact that like the weeks or the months like leading up to the purge, I would be so nice to everyone. I would have to be rough. I know you'd have to just be like, oh, I can't like be annoyed with my neighbor for them like you know not trimming their trees like you'd have to just be like oh that's fine I don't care I'm not gonna cause any disturbances in this neighborhood because I don't want you to come in and murder me like you're gonna take over cookies before you complain you're just gonna deal with it and I was like why are these guys putting up such a big fight over like a two dollar candy bar right like just let the girls take it and don't burden yourself tonight (laughs) but they do yeah I I get it it's sort of like wanting to stand your ground you know, you got to weigh the consequences and there are no consequences for these girls tonight. So I thought, just thought it was a very funny way to, to handle purge Eve. 
I know. Someone trying to <laughs> rob your store of a candy bar. I love that the purge hours take place from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. Because I can imagine that there was someone who was like, well, if we schedule it for overnight, then most people will want to stay at home and be in bed. You know, it's like they didn't do it during the daytime. They didn't do it 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., which would be a very different purge experience. Oh, wow. Right? Very different. (laughs) Yeah, daytime purging. (laughs) But I think we're we're about to hit act two, right? Where the, the purge starts, yeah. Yeah, so we are at the point now where purge night is beginning we've got the sirens going off and our various characters are in their own respective locations we've got um leo and the senator so the senator has decided against all advisory wishes to to bunker in her own home because i mean she's not wrong because the press would totally eviscerate her Mm -hmm. as a hypocrite if she did anything else but she has decided to stay in her home because she's like this is what a normal person would do a normal person just stays in their home and I thought that it was really funny how out of touch she still is because she's, she's not wrong people do stay in their homes but she has many security guards Yes, she has one of the deluxe security systems that does like, you know, the steel plates over the doors and windows. She's dressed so like casually, uh, not casually, but she's like dressed so nicely in her house. And I was like, oh, Senator, this is not what normal people are doing. (laughs) Right. It seemed like she was trying to be blasé about it in a way that she knew her constituents would be forced to be blasé about it. Mm -hmm. But she still has the money to put up that kind of security system. She still has, you know, the social weight to warrant a team of people to protect her. Right. And I, and I, the first time I saw this, you know, first out of like 10 million times, I was like, yeah, how is this any different? She might as well just go into a safe house <laughs> right. because the the election is what's really important in this universe. But I, I understand how she's feeling. And I wrote down, I, I totally think this is something Bernie would do to like fuck up his election. He'd be like, no, no, I'm, I'm part of the people. <laughs> if it means I get shot, then I get shot. <laughs> it's so principled it's, it's like frustrating but in the yeah. wrong direction you know yeah. yeah it's like don't try to pretend to be like the common folk like protect yourself they lifted the ban on murdering government officials so they could murder you go to a yeah, bunker you're, you're leave, getting murdered leave the country like oh hide oh my god what real people are doing on this night is dealing with shit like insurance rates being raised the night before purge right we see that happen to joe that's reality that's the reality of this universe i know and she's so naive to her situation i don't know i can't tell if it's naivety or if it was like blind optimism because one of the first things that happens 
immediately after the purge starts is Leo, her head of security, realizes that there is a double agent in the security force who has rigged all of the cameras, killed a majority (laughs) of her security, and is like en route to murder the senator. So Yeah, and and she's still arguing with him. (laughs) She's still arguing with him about how to best protect herself while this is happening. Yeah, it's... It's nice to see that Leo is a very competent person. He is so suspicious of everyone that he has put back doors into this house to try and get her out. Um, he's very efficient with a gun. It's it's nice to see someone who's actually capable and competent, like working in a horror movie. Um, but they do like dial that characterization up a couple notches because like when he does eventually meet the other characters he becomes so annoying about being like aggressively suspicious of all of them mm-hmm. and yeah to the point where I was like wait do I need to worry about this guy like what is he getting at here there were there were some moments where I was like does this guy think everyone's gonna kill this woman or is everybody else worried about this guy um which probably happened, honestly, Kate, because I watched these out of order. <laughs> but but it was like, okay, I don't know who to trust. <laughs> so that was interesting for a minute or two before I realized who he was. Yeah. So Roan Roan gets gets us going with Purge. Um, and after that, we quickly see what's happening on the streets. The, we see our, you know, two women, um, kind of heroes of the movie or, you know, people you root for who aren't necessarily the, the first characters, but, uh, they're driving around in an ambulance that they have all ready to go to, to pick people up and help them, which I thought was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're driving around seeing all this crazy shit. Like, crazy shit. And yeah. it's funny the things that they drive past. It makes sense, but I'm like, ooh, that person could really use your help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've got this medic van. And as they're driving, they see these people getting murdered and people getting beat up. And they very, very effectively decide we're not going to be able to help that person. So we're just going to keep going. We're just going to, we're going to wait until we can actually help someone. And um, the montage that we get though, of her, of Lainey driving around um, and seeing all these purge activities was really great. Did you have like a favorite moment? I did. Um, The three women tied to the front of this car. That's like driving next to the ambulance. I, I saw that and I was like, uh okay before I have to think too hard about this that looks really fun but also now that I've thought about it for 10 seconds this looks horrifying (laughs) terrible I I love that moment because it's so um introspective to this universe you know these these three women don't matter they're just bodies they're screaming bodies that these people want on the front of their car why who knows because they're sick. I don't know. But but there they are. You know, these characters we're following are in an ambulance and can't really, really do anything about it. They just have to watch. 
Um, I thought that was a really cool, precarious, scary scene to watch. Yeah, that one was good. I I really liked when they look down an alleyway and they see that people have, in the course of no time, the purge has just started, have built an entire guillotine. Yes. <laughs> and are actively guillotining people. And I do have to admit that I have my own guillotine fantasies um, of just, you know, you know, everyone does. So, <laughs> of course. <laughs> but I think that the ingenuity, they would have had to do some engineering. I love it. I love that they got it set up and ready to go, and they're already using it within like 20 minutes of the purge starting. <laughs> Oh, the, the other part that I love that sort of stems from this section of the movie is um, when the two brats who try to steal the candy bar earlier come back. You see them come back to the store and and on their way back, they're like blasting party in the USA. Yes. I thought that was hilarious. I was like, this is perfect. These are two little brats who want a candy or however many brats, right? Want a candy bar and they're blasting this music and it's perfect for this movie. Right now we've got Joe and Marcos. They have decided to not pay for the insurance premium. And what they're just going to do is they're going to hang out on their roof and they're going to just shoot anyone who tries to mess with the convenience store. And of course, except for these two girls, apparently. I know. I, I know. So these girls roll up, they've got, um, their cars are decked out in Christmas lights. And I was like, man, the purge night is like burning man for murderers. You know, it looks fun, doesn't it? <laughs> it looks so fun. Like everyone's got their purge costumes. They've got masks yeah. and makeup. They like trick out All their they're cars. missing are dioramas. I know. It's like people really go into it for like the party element of it. And these girls roll up and of course the guys are like very hesitant to shoot them because they actually know who they are. Um, But the girls are there and they're like, we're going to destroy your store. We're going to burn it down and we're going (laughs) to murder you. And uh, Marcos, who works at the store, um, turns out he's an excellent marksman and he shoots the lead girl in the, like, on the tip of her ear. He just like grazes her ear to basically be like, get out of here. Like this is yeah. not for you. Yeah. And and then Joe, who owns the comedian store, he looks at, at Marcos kind of like in a, what's that all about? Because he's so good with his gun. And Marcos says, this line this line that I was just like oh my god (laughs) can we say it at the same time yeah we can okay 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 every day day and Morris was was like like the the purge purge. (laughs) (laughs) it's so funny (laughs) I was like what is this line what happened in I know I left a comment for myself that says seems unnecessarily rude to Mexico (laughs) it does I was like Juarez can't be that bad the purge is very bad very bad people are building guillotines in the street (laughs) (laughs) 
your leaders are creating laws that allow other leaders to get murdered. I can't imagine this is like anywhere else on earth. I know. I was like, <laughs> who wrote this line? It's so bad. <laughs> we also get a flashback to Roan and her security detail. And guess what? They get sniped. They do. There's like this whole kind of extended scene where um, a drone is following them. So Leo has gotten Roan out of the safe house because the safe house has been compromised and they're just running through the streets of Washington, D.C. But there's this drone following them. Eventually, they're able to shoot down the drone. Yeah, good shot. I don't know why they bothered to have a drone in this movie, but sure. Um, it was it was such a... Fr- I wrote it down and then forgot about it. Like, it's such a forgettable moment. Like, they had the drone and I was like, oh, that's weird. And then they shoot it and it's over. Okay. Well, then we do learn that the drone is being operated by our murder tourists. The murder tourists, there's, there's a gang of probably like 10 of them. So... Yeah. We've got all these different... Th- threads here we've got Lainey driving the medic van around DC we've got Leo and Roan who are fleeing from the NFFA mercenaries and there's this Russian drone following them or German drone or whatever following them and then we've got Joe and Marcos who are on top of the roof dealing with these teen murder girls and everything kind of like coalesces at once which is very purge like the purge purge anarchy is all about like how do we get the gang together and it's kind (laughs) of the same dynamic here of like okay we've got all these disparate people and we're gonna smash them together and then we're gonna give all those people a common goal (laughs) it's very always sunny yeah it's a little less gross than always sunny (laughs) in some way in a way in a way (laughs) so we have at this point Leo and Roan end up getting accosted by our murder tourists. And there's a bunch of them. Joe and Marcos, um, they run down and they show up out of nowhere. We don't see them leaving the roof. We don't see them anywhere. We just see Barnes and Roan are getting grabbed by these murder tourists. They're going to get just straight up murdered right in the middle of the street. And suddenly... There are gunshots and it's this extended scene of Marcos just gunning down like German after German. He just shoots all of these European people for so long. Yeah, somehow all of these tourists outsmarted Leo, who's supposed to be this really great bodyguard. And he has been a great bodyguard this whole time, but they got the best of him these foreigners who aren't familiar with American gun laws and everything. I love that all of these foreigners have knives. Yeah. They don't have guns. They have knives and they're all dressed like uncle Sam and (laughs) it's so perfect. I love how this movie is sort of like a zombie movie crossover because Roan and Leo are just sort of like trying to get to safety. Right. I think this happened in the last movie too. Um, but it's it's really apocalyptic. The, this one night is very apocalyptic. It is. You're just trying to survive and using what's available. Yep, exactly. Because these guys, 
Joe, Marcos, Roan, Leo, they dash into the convenience store because it's the one safe place that they've got. Leo kind of checks it out and he's like, actually, this place is pretty good. We could probably stay here all night Um, until those girls, those looter girls, they come back and they've got, I think, more people. They've got guns. Yeah. I was like, why didn't they shoot them? This is what they get. This is all for a candy bar. Yeah, so Lainey gets called, and um, we've got this kind of tense scene where there's girls at the front of the store, girls at the back of the store. (laughs) (laughs) We can see them on the security cams, and they have shown up with, like, power tools to try and get through the doors. It's very absurd. And then the greatest thing happens, so satisfying, is Lainey. Lainey shows up. Yeah. And what does Lainey do? <laughs> she takes care of them. Yeah. She just wrecks house. I, I love, love it. it. I I want a movie only about Lainey. Yeah. Just <laughs> like plowing through these girls. Because she's got this big medic van. She's got a big reinforced medical van. And she does not hesitate. She just runs over the girls. And then she yes. and then she backs up and runs over them again. And then she gets <sighs> out of her car with her gun and she shoots them in the head. Yes. It's so good, Kate. I'm like, why isn't there this much caution taken the whole movie with these fucking girls? Right? Ugh. But I do love the girls' poofs. They're super cute. And I think the outfits, I love this scene. I just really love the scene in general. I think it's a visually very attractive scene it's really fun i mean there's the music and their costuming and like the girls are very like vampy and playful like yeah you dancing around their masks are so cool the masks are really cool in this scene like they're just having fun and i feel like the filmmakers are like kind of having fun with these girls and it's kind of a bummer because like after this we just get like a lot of like blah you know that's like not really interesting to talk about and so that whole scene with the girls is like fun and it's so satisfying when Lainey shows up because Lainey just like takes care of business yeah she's like we don't have time for this shit so we are now at a point where Roan, Leo, Marcos, Joe, and Lainey are all in one place and That place is the convenience store, which is no longer safe because um, the girls were able to break through the door. Yeah, this part really gives the the goal to the group. So we now have a shared interest of like, where can they all go that's going to be as safe as possible for all of them? And Lainey says that there's actually a place um, called Triage, which is where they secretly take care of people throughout the purge night. Which is lucky for them because they're a mess. They are not handling their problems appropriately. (laughs) I just like the fact that Leo was really prepared to have like backup exits in the safe house but then didn't have like a backup safe house just like boggles the mind (laughs) yeah right they have to rely on the kindness of the common folk here (laughs) god traversing this these streets and trying to find something safe like good luck 
I know. And so they do go into hiding. And on the way to hiding, we do get to see this really cool gladiator ring. I did call that out. I thought it was pretty cool. We do. So there is a bunch of stuff that happens as they're on en-, en route to triage. And it's it's a very similar kind of format to Purge Anarchy where they decide that they have to get to a car. And so on their way to get to the car, they run into all of these like roadblocks and purgers and things. It's very similar here. This gang has to get together and they got to get to the triage place. There's like a purge crossfire scene where there's people shooting guns outside of their apartment windows at each other. There's a NFFA mercenary helicopter attack on their van where the helicopter is actually shooting at them. I do think that the best part, though, is the gladiator ring sword fight situation going on, though. <laughs> it's really funny. Yeah, we see these this gang of guys. They're basically reenacting Fight Club. Um, they've got swords, and they're fighting with each other. And Lainey in her van with everyone loaded up into it, they, they've pulled over for a second to try and figure out what's going on because they keep getting followed. They keep getting attacked by people and they're like trying to, they're trying to figure out like what is going on here. Right. This part of the movie I remembered was coming. And so I had to, I had to stop looking. I was like, I can't watch this part. (laughs) Is it uh, when he digs for his bullet wound? Yeah. Yeah, This was very, yeah, it's gross, but it's very, it reminded me of uh, Dr. Moreau that I don't know if you've read the book or seen the movie, but yeah, they, he has like this tracker basically that's been implanted into his chest via bullet. And he, for some reason, realizes this because he's smart. He's Leo. He knows everything. And so he starts digging around and looking for it. And I was like, oh my God, this reminds me of the island of Dr. Moreau. Um, have you seen that, Kate? Okay, you'll have to see it one day. But yeah, <laughs> digging around for this thing so that they can't track him anymore. We also get um, this scene of, you know, some purge vigilantes, just some purgers, some random purgers wanting to take them out or appearing to want to take them out. They're screaming, they're banging on the ambulance, they're, they're, they want attention, right? We assume they want to kill these guys. It turns out they just want help for their kid. They mean you no harm. That, this, this banging on the ambulance is traditional way of, of signifying our need for help. I guess so. I guess I guess in this universe. It's a very <laughs> interesting way do. of communicating what you need help with. Bubba, right? He's he says this line and I'm like, Jesus Christ, who made you say this line, Bubba? Negroes come in this way and we sit in here like a bucket of chicken. Oh, I like, hate it. Come on. Why did you say that, guy? Like why? Like the fact <laughs> that this movie was written by a white man. And he made yeah. he made a black man say, "Negro sitting here like a bucket of fried chicken is just so offensive." How did no person stop that from happening? I'm hoping because I want to like this series, you know, and not like have problems with it. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm really hoping that uh, you know Bubba stepped in and was like, "Yeah, this is funny. It'll it'll translate." <laughs> really crossing my fingers for that but I guess who knows I I doubt it (laughs) I don't know 
But yeah, so the senator is like, yeah, you know, we got to help him. And we we get a little bit of white knighting in this movie. And I'm just, I'm wondering, is this a white knight movie? Like, would we call this a white knight movie? Does this, am I just like grasping at straws here? Because it, it felt no, that way to yeah. me towards the end. No, I can see it because it's, it's like, there's this definite thread of anti-NFFA movement is being led and organized by people of color, um, being run by a black man. They are trying to take down the NFFA in a radical, violent way, which is just as radical and not even as violent as the NFFA is themselves. Mm -hmm. But we have Senator Roan, who is pretty disconnected from the actualities of the purge like she says multiple times during the night is this what it's actually like yes and it's wild because she had a terrible purge experience she lost her entire family but of course she knows this is what it's like right but since then she has become so sheltered and separate from the realities of what this has done to the country that she she doesn't even understand the full scope of what she wants to stop doing. And so I think it is white knighting. I think that Senator Roan is, oh, if we're going to end this, we're going to end it the quote unquote right way. We're going to do this the political yeah. way. We're going to play the political game to end this. Whereas the people who are most negatively being affected by this yeah. are the people who are like, um, let's just blow this system up and start over right. because- they don't trust any system to actually fight for them. So I totally agree with you. She's coming in from this perspective or this vantage point of being able to be above it all. And so she's had 18 years to forget what happened to her. But of course, like these people dealing with this every day, like, of course, it makes sense that they want to assassinate, you know, this group gathering in the middle of the night. We'll get to this. But I mean, that's what, well, that's what she's fighting against. She's fighting against an assassination so that her political career won't be tainted. In this movie, we're led to believe, you know, her political career is meant to make America actually better, right? Like, we don't want murder to be okay. But we all also know that things are not that clean cut. Yeah, like laws take a long time to change. Even when you're elected president, you're dealing with a lot of shit to try to get your your viewpoints made into law or or a way of doing things. And and this movie felt very pie in the sky when it came to those topics. And yeah, so it did feel very white knighting. Like this woman is coming in. She's She wants to be president. She wants these guys to do it her way. But she's not actually dealing with the problem. Like, I mean, she doesn't face it. When we get into what we're calling act three, although it's a total like hodgepodge of like scenes yeah. happen at the end here, um, is when they actually get to triage, um, they figure out pretty quickly that the people who are running the triage are the same people who are the anti-NFFA rebellion group. Yeah. And it, and the confrontation that happens when Joe realizes that this group is planning on assassinating the president um, at their, there's so like much coded like propaganda in here, but mm-hmm. the new founding fathers 
every purge night they have a midnight mass and the anti-NFFA group have decided that they are going to um, try and pull off an assassination attempt that night. And the confrontation between um, Leo and the um, NFFA group it's so like condescending like Leo is just so like I can't let you do this and he's just one person and there's a large group of people who are who are currently helping him currently helping him and his whole group um who are just like uh no we've had very thorough plans to assassinate the minister and you're not gonna stop us So before we get into act three or what triggers us into act three is Leo and Roan getting kidnapped by actually some Nazi mercenaries in this movie. Um, We find out that the government has hired Nazis to do their dirty work, which isn't actually that big of a shocker to me. I don't know about you, Kate. Not a big shocker. Not in 2020. No, no. It's 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 really refreshing to see this movie have the actual villain be a villain we all know in this country. <laughs> it's here with us every day, and it's Nazis for some reason. Even though we decided this was a bad bad type of person in World War II, they they're still here. They're still hanging on. They're trying their hardest. They work their way into the system in purge election year as being mercenaries. So they kidnap um, Roan and and her compatriots, right, and bring her to this this ritual. And Act Three is really, I guess, the highlight of it is this absolutely wild ritual that the governing body of the United States does. <laughs> <laughs> every year <laughs> god it's so gross it's so gross it's very it's very bizarre and I think that it really shows that our director Mr. DeMonico has maybe an anti-religious bent to him because the new founding fathers of America um, are extremely religious and we've seen this play out in previous movies um where people will pray before engaging in purge activities. They will say things like, God bless America at the end of the purge announcements. And here we get kind of that natural conclusion to that, where we see that every purge, um, there is an annual midnight mass in a church where the new founding father um, group committee Um, party they meet up and in this church and they go through a mass ceremony yeah they gotta purge and purify oh man have you seen red state this scene reminded me so much of red state that opening scene Mm -hmm. where they're yeah where they're shooting their you know their sacrifices right these guys are their martyrs for this purge except usually a martyr is is willingly taken out (laughs) right and these are kidnapped saps so roan and leo are both they're both kind of knocked out at this point they're being tied up roan is put into this yeah very culty dressing gown type thing and tied up and 
they wheel her out in front of all of these people and you just you just know you're like oh Roan <laughs> you didn't <laughs> you didn't make it <laughs> you yeah. tried but you didn't make it they've got you Ugh, it's so gross I I I like this scene because it's so gross but I also hate it because of how gross it is and I feel like it's not that far off from not I shouldn't say that but you know the attitudes in this scene are not that far off from some parts of America today and so it really it really grossed me out but Leo has managed to get out of this sticky situation and he meets up with Dante because he managed to memorize all of their assassination plans and knows exactly what tunnel they're congregating at in order to take out this assassination plan. And so Barnes meets up with them and he's like, hey, I need you guys to turn your assassination attempt into a rescue mission. That's right. And Dante is on board. Yeah, because Roan had to had to go her own way on this. So now we got to rescue her. This is sort of where I feel like the movie starts dragging, which is great because it's the very end of the movie. It does drag because I think that we get we get a scene where Lainey and Joe and Marcos, um, they pop up in this church and start mowing down <laughs> the NFFA leaders. Um, they've got their guns and they're up kind of in the second tier of pews and they just start opening fire at the critical moment right before Roan gets her throat slit. Yeah, it ends up that diversity does save the day and we get to see um, everybody survive thanks to our thanks to our team of hidden heroes. Yeah, hidden hidden amongst the streets heroes saving Roan so that she can be the president she always wanted to be because that's what's important in this movie. It works out. They've got the convenience store crew kind of take out the first round. Dante and his crew, they come in. They take out the second round. Basically, most of the NFFA gets murdered at this point. Um, Perfect. It's great. If Roan was having any second thoughts, those are immediately taken away because – she stumbles into a room where there's like 20 people who are also being prepped to get murdered. And she was like, oh my God, I can't believe that they're going to kill all of you. And it's like, I'm so surprised. Where have you been living, dude? Like you're running against them. <laughs> so absurd. Um, some sadness happens at the end here. So in this kind of firestorm that happens with the mercenaries, with these, you know, white supremacist mercenaries. Um, Dante is shot and killed. Also Joe. Joe has a little tragic death. Yeah. She's she's gotta win. Roan Roan has to win for Joe. Well, Roan has to win because I think that everyone running against her is also dead now. So I think it works out pretty well. <laughs> Um, a very interesting thing. So we're now at like the end end of the movie and they do a title card that says that it's two months later and we all know, everyone knows that the purge takes place in late March and two months later, there's an announcement that Senator Roan has won the presidency. Yes. I wrote this down too. Yeah. <laughs> 
what what the heck happened? <laughs> I have to assume that we will find out in the first perch. <laughs> I hope so. This is exactly what I'm afraid of ha- happening if Trump wins. <laughs> like somehow our election cycle is just totally upended. Um, and he's currently um, trying to do that. He he is he threw out there the like. Well, maybe it's not safe, and maybe I don't trust mail-in ballots. Which, now it's not safe. Which, yeah. if you oh are God. a listener of ours and you agree with anything Trump has said ever, then get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, like don't listen to our show. You're an idiot. It's fine. Like we'll just say that we have like what thirty listeners anyway. So fine. you know, the, our- the one or two of you that think Trump is cool can just skedaddle. It's I cool. mean, if you're like really hoping for a purge type scenario, then like Trump is probably your best bet. So I mean, sure. But like the fact that we live in the real world and have to deal with his buffoonery on a daily basis <laughs> is just too much for one person to bear. So. Oh my gosh. So yeah. So yeah. we have this weird off cycle election season happening which I'm hoping to learn more about in purge four yeah and Roan of course wins because people don't actually like getting murdered so they're cool with her platform and I do kind of like that that's what ends the trilogy the sequential trilogy is that we get Mm -hmm. um the purge which happens and then purge anarchy which is a year later and then purge election year, which I think is a year after that. And then when they made a fourth purge movie, it's a prequel. It's not, it's not like Roan gets assassinated and they're just like, well, more purging, you know, they, they kind of like, they keep it together. They keep it tight. They're like, let's go back and see historically what this played out like in real life. Oh, purge. Purge election year, number three. Yeah, it's all right. What What's your recommendation for this movie? You could probably skip. I would say Purge 1 and Purge 2 are really solid. I think that they're good entries into a contemporary horror thriller action. Like, I, I would say that if you like action movies and are maybe a little squeamish about horror elements, like the Purge movies are really good because – they lean more on the action side. There's not quite so many jump scares. There's not a huge amount of gore. So I think that that the series in general is is good in that respect. I think that Purge Election Year, it is a little long. I don't think it adds that much to the world building. I just don't think it's essential viewing. I think that you can I think that you could skip it unless you were a big purge fan. I pretty much agree with you on everything. I I didn't feel like this movie was very unique. I felt like Anarchy was basically this movie, but done better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Um, it felt like, the, yeah, it felt like the same structure. Um, so do I recommend watching this movie? It's not a terrible movie. You could probably watch it on, on its own and, and it would make sense. Um, but if you're a Purge fan... This is, to me, the the least interesting of the Purge movies. It feels like the most prone to stupid writing errors or um, trying to follow a trope but not really doing it that well. And it didn't really introduce that many new ideas. 
So as far as the Purge series go, it's it's not that important. I think we'll see because you and I haven't seen the first Purge, which is next. So we'll see. Maybe it matters for some reason. But but as it stands now, it's pretty cool on its own. If this is the only Purge movie you're going to watch, sure, why not? But if you're interested in the lore of the Purge, this is probably not very strong. Although I do think the addition, finally, of the Nazi mercenaries is really cool. Like, that felt really real and scary. It is very interesting how these movies feel prescient in a way that I, I think that we, at the time when they came out, we would have been like, oh, that's so over the top. It's so over the top to think that a hyper-conservative, far-right movement that entrenches itself in Christian, like, ritual without the Christian, like, actual, like, ethos and belief behind it would align itself with, like, white power and white supremacy groups. We would have been like, that's a little much. <laughs> you know, yeah. now we're like, yeah, that is, like, that has been the secret cancer of America for all of America's history. So that's Purge three election year. It did not keep me up at night, but I am so excited to watch the next me one. Me too. Yeah, I'm actually really excited to watch the next one. It's been a minute since I've watched a horror movie that I haven't already seen. Oh, yes, it's going to yeah, be great. Yeah, it's it's good. It's always nice to be like, oh, I haven't actually caught that one. Me too. I hope you guys are too, and we will cover this in our next episode. Stay tuned. This was not quite dead. Check out our other episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're feeling a little weird or a little crazy, why don't you try listening to our episodes out of order? Why not? Or not. Listen to them in order, as intended. Either way, thanks for listening. And happy hunting.